Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sir. robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Power 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Joe with you till 11 o'clock. If you missed any of the show and you want to listen to it, Les Schwab Tires Podcast is where you can find it on the Odyssey app and 1080thefan.com. There's never any punches thrown in baseball. That's not true. I don't ever see them throw punches. I do you see guys tackling. Rug, do you remember Rugnet Odor punching Jose Bautista in the face? I, I remember that one. Yeah. Name another one. Legendary. Um, that's what I'm talking about. You, had, Rob, you had Robin Ventura. And I, I was going to say, I remember Pedro Martinez literally throwing an old man to the ground in yep. the playoffs. He didn't yep. throw him. He, he said, get off me, and he fell on his own. Like, he was going down in the first place. Well, no, he wasn't. Like he, he literally was. grabbed the side of his head and pulled him down to the. Well, ground. don't attack me. He was coming after him. See? I mean, but he, he self defense. Also, he also self defense grabbed him by the head and threw him to the ground after he attacked him. Pulled some judo self defense. He was just ambling towards him. Doesn't matter. Don Zimmer, rest in peace. Don't approach me, bro. Should not be thrown to the don't ground. Don't come at me, bro. Here's a text we got before we get to the Blazers. Lifetime Zags fan. I agree that a national championship is the measure of a successful season for this year's team. Totally disagree with the take on Mark Few, though. The hot take. Hot take on Mark Few, though. He's one of the all-time best regardless because up until the last four or so years, they haven't had the blue chip recruits like the Kentuckys, North Carolinas, and Dukes. To, to achieve the way they have without top-tier players is in those first 15 to 18 years shows how great of a coach he is. I agree with that. I'm, I'm not saying Mark Few, if he doesn't win, is not considered one of the best coaches, but... Winning a championship is different. 
and it does give you that different extra edge of respect. But it is interesting to hear. He says this year the national championship is a measure of a successful season. So right now, although you're probably through the moon, through the roof happy, over the moon, through the roof happy, about the Zags winning the game against UCLA yesterday, you're still looking for this game against Baylor. That will be that true measure for him. So that's that's interesting. I mean, he's not he's he's, he's not wrong, you know, all the way. But well, I mean, he's the Zags. It's, it's his yeah, opinion. No, absolutely. I'm yeah, assuming a lot yeah. of Zags fans feel similar. Though. They absolutely. You have a you have a winning coach. You have a winning program. A program that's consistently com- competitive. I'm not saying that Mark Few isn't one of the greatest coaches. I'm just saying for him to really be in that conversation as one of the greatest coaches, man, he has to win that hard. <clears throat> Excuse me, he has to win that hardware. Absolutely has to. It's just not a matter of. It, it now it's just a matter of when. You know, we we think he will win one, but when? Now, I think this is his best opportunity Mm -hmm. this year to make that happen. But when you have teams like you mentioned it, man, St. Mary's, Loyola Marymount, Pepperdine, San Francisco, you should be the best team in the conference every year, especially when you are the one team that is getting those national guys, that is getting those top-ranked guys, because I'm pretty sure you you UAP isn't getting them. So you should be up there, and you should expect to be in the Final Four every year. But you should also expect a, a national championship. You've shown you've been good enough to get there. Now you just got to close. So the Blazers have played two games in the last three days. One win against the Thunder last night. 133 to 85, by the way. Um, as Joe's been saying in his updates, it is the largest win at the Moda Center, largest margin of victory in the Moda Center. The Thunder were playing nobody. And I, I repeat, the Thunder were playing nobody. I dare you to find a name on the Thunder's roster that played last night that you know. Um, they started Alex Puchakevsky or something like that. Some really long yeah, one of my Alexi Pokusevsky. There we yeah. go. Really one, long white d- European one dude. One of my favorite players. He was minus forty two and plus minus yesterday. Well, they were all minus forty two. You had Isaiah Roby who was minus fifty. There Joe. you go. Uh, Moses Brown. Former Blazer, Moses Brown. He was a G League guy. They called up and down a lot. Uh, he started for them. Someone named Theo Maladon. Hmm. And then I know this guy because he played at Kansas. Oh, yeah. Svi Mikaluk. Mikhailuk. Mikhailuk. That's how you pronounce that. You sure? Yeah. 100%, oh, okay. 100% positive on Svi that. Svi Mikhailuk. Uh, he's a good three-point shooter. I thought he took one three yesterday, so I don't actually know if that's the case. I remember him shooting threes at Kansas, though. Um, That's who they started because their entire team is hurt, and even their entire team is not very good, but they do have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yesterday's game was a very nice win. It was fun to watch them blow a team out. It means literally nothing. The game against the Bucs is the game that means something, and it's the game that has Blazer fans concerned over what's going to happen moving forward. The Blazers have yet to truly find their footing against the better teams in the NBA this season. They just came off a four-game winning streak, yes. But they beat the Heat, who I guess are fine, but were injured, the Magic, the Raptors, and the Pistons. So they beat teams they were meant to beat. All on the road, good job. You know, great great four-game win streak. I'm not going to take that away from them. But they played the Nets without Kyrie Irving and without Kevin Durant. And they lost 116 to 112. They got embarrassed by the Mavericks the night after they beat them or two nights after they beat them, but embarrassed 132 92. When they've played the Suns, they haven't looked very good. They lost to the Lakers by 10 the last time they played them. It was a good game against the Nuggets last time they played, but they lost. Um, Every time they play a good team, 
they are struggling almost every time. So the game against the Bucks was kind of one of those where last time they played them, the Bucks were the Bucks in, annihilated them. They won by like forty points in that game. So you get the second chance to play them. You hope that maybe there's a little bit of an edge for the Blazers because of that. And instead, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo scoring forty-seven points without missing a shot inside the three-point line. He went eighteen for twenty-one from the floor. All three of his misses were from three. And he just was unstoppable. And no matter what they did, which never seemed like enough, you couldn't stop him. And the Blazers fell 127-109. Damian Lillard did score his 32 points, but Yusuf Nurkic only had nine. You had McCollum with 18, but he didn't have a very good shooting day. And oh my God, the bench in that game was a disaster. Carmelo Anthony was two for 12, but for long stretches of the game was 0 for 8, 0 for 9. Couldn't hit a shot. Ennis Cantor only had two points. Anthony Simons only had eight points off the bench, and some of those came late as well. It was a really, really ugly game, and it once again put on into the spotlight that if the Blazers are going to play a better team in the playoffs, it's probably not going to go very well. A few things came to mind as I was watching this get blown out by the Milwaukee Bucks the other night, which kind of ruined my... Friday night, a little bit. But number one, there's no guard in Giannis. Like, there's, we don't have anything that's comparable to stopping him. He is insane. We, if he gets I mean, a full head of steam, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. You just stand there and try to take the charge. Nobody wants to do that because he lifts weights. But they also didn't double. And, and they, they, they didn't try to double. You didn't throw a second look at him. You just wanted to go one-on-one with Covington and Giannis. Dumbest thing in the world. Two, this three-guard three, six-foot guard rotation that you're doing, you know, in the starting lineup with Storm and Norman and Dame and CJ. How tall is Norman? I thought he was taller than that. Oh, he's 6'3". He, he's 6'3". Six, three. Three, yeah. yeah, so about the same height as CJ, you know. But again, I'm 6'3", which isn't short, you know what I mean, but in comparison to NBA superstars, you're pretty small. And so that's three, six, three guards, and you know how much we struggle with being small guards in the Western Conference. And then put a bigger guard like Drew Holiday – on Damian Lillard, which Drew Holiday eats against Dame. Just got $160 million today, which is crazy to me. But he eats against Damian Lillard. And for whatever reason, we have a big problem with bigger guards. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday came out 22-10. and 10. Dame was minus 30, uh, 26 for the night. You know what I mean? Or minus, was it, 23? Dame actually still had a good game. Yeah, but yes. 27, excuse me. But when somebody else is having a, you know, a good game, too, that's where that whole plus-minus thing comes mm-hmm. in. So I don't really like to look at that, you know, because that's – that's silly to me a lot of times. Sometimes the plus minus doesn't tell the whole story, but Dame, know, Dame played. Whatever. It was the best I've seen Dame play against Drew Holiday. I will say that it didn't matter, but it yeah, was the best I mean, I've seen it, him play against it, Drew. It Holiday. definitely didn't matter, but I mean, I just I look at the rest of this Bucks team and say, man, the Blazers could have beat them. Like, I mean, honestly, Giannis is and he's special and he's incredible, but like, I'm and not, he's a matchup nightmare. Yeah, but I'm not overly impressed with Chris Middleton. Like, I'm not overly impressed with like Drew Holiday. Like, he's a good player, but I, man, the Blazers should have had more action and more energy and actually made that game competitive, and they didn't. And it was pretty disappointing. So when they play it the next night, play the Thunder and win, so? Like, it's, you know, you just you just pretty much wet the bed against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And like you said, now as a fan, I'm looking like, this isn't going to go well. Because I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, and it's like, there's, there's not a lot of nights off that you're going to be taking. Mm-hmm. There's a Detroit in there, I think, a couple times. Um. Uh, but you there you got Memphis in there, you know, a couple times, but there's no 
it's not going to be a whole lot of nights off. And if you're going to have an eight-game win streak like you've done in the past, like it needs to happen sometime soon. The, the Lakers are slowly slipping down the uh, – I think you're a game behind, a full game behind the Lakers for how, the how, – How blazery would it be if the Lakers fall to like the sixth seed and the Blazers get the three and they have to play a LeBron and Anthony Davis that, in the first I mean, round that of the would playoffs? Be the, that would be the Blazers' luck. Yep. That would be the story – of our franchise is yep. that you're just going to know that you're going to get knocked out <laughs> in that first round. But now is the time to where you have to, you got 23 games left, 23 games left for the rest of your season. You know, and if it's going to, I've been saying this, like this is a year the Blazers could actually make some noise. If they can figure this whole thing out, they can actually make some noise. If you look at this roster man, it's, it's a great roster. And then on your bench, you got Carmelo and Derek Jones Jr. And Enos Cantor and, Simons, who's looking like he's starting to play a little bit better basketball over the last little bit. So, I mean, you've got still very inconsistent. He's, he's inconsistent, but he's still young and you've got bodies. And so you should be more competitive than you actually are. These next few games are going to tell us everything we need to know about how the rest of the season's going to work. So just real quickly, because I did see on the text line what the Blazers, someone asking what the Blazers record record are against is are against playoff teams right now with the West and East. Both of those added up. The Blazers are seven and twelve against playoff teams. Oh, and depressing. I, and uh, I one saw... of those against the Charlotte Hornets. One of yeah. them against the Miami Heat. Um, you got wins against the Seventy Sixers a couple times, and then the Lakers way back at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know a win against the Mavericks, which was then followed up by demolishing by yes. the Mavericks. Yeah. So it's like very. The, the whole seven wins, 12, I, I, I think the 12 losses speak more than the seven Very wins inconsistent did. and blazery right uh, there, <laughs> for sure. I think I saw this, that the Blazers are one in seven against the teams <laughs> above them in the standings. Lakers, Clippers, uh, I guess technically the Nuggets. I think I saw this before, the Nuggets passed them again, so they, they would have a win the against Suns. Denver too. But uh, the Suns and yeah. the Jazz. Because yeah. they haven't beat the Suns, haven't beat the Jazz. They just beat the Lakers that one time. Yep, haven't got, beaten the Clippers. Got blown out by the Clippers. So because of that, I will say, and this is, this is the tease, the next game, in my opinion, although it's one of, you know, how many do they have left? Like 20? 23. It's one of 23 left. The Blazers have to beat the Clippers on the 6th. They have to beat the Clippers in two days. And we'll talk about that next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Blazers play the Clippers on Tuesday and Utah on Thursday. Back to, well, not back to back. There's a day off in between, but a, a little mini two-game road trip coming up. And I think it is vital for the Blazers to get a win against the Clippers on Tuesday because there is, it's gotten to the point now where the players are acknowledging that they're not beating these good teams. Dame said it after they lost to the Bucks. He goes, we haven't been able to put a good game together most of the season against these top teams in our, in our conference or in the league in general. And the Clippers have been playing pretty well recently. And you're going to get a chance to go into L.A. and show that after what's how long is Nurkic back now? A week now? About a week. Last Friday, I think, was his first game back. You're still managing his minutes a little bit, but he's getting back into game shape. So you have your your best defender back on the floor, maybe second best defender if you want to put Covington or Jones there, uh, back on the floor. You know, you're making decisions 
with the rotation based on getting Norman Powell, who's played pretty well for the first few games with the Blazers. He's shown that was, by the way, that was a good trade. I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the air with you guys, but Norman Powell is a better player than Gary Trent Jr. And you weren't going to match a deal for Gary Trent Jr. So for right now, if they're both going to be free agents at the end of the year, Powell's better. He does more. He's a better shooter. He's a better defender. He gets to the rim better. It's, you know, it's a small improvement, but it's an improvement. So you want to get him involved in the rotation. Robert Covington shooting the lights out of the ball again. He's over 40%, by the way, from three now. Oh, it looked bleak for a while. For the first two months, it was like, oh, boy. But he's over 40% from three again. So uh, that that's, that's turned out to look like a good trade, especially because defensively he's insane. He's a beast. Um, you're figuring out your rotation. You know, you put Derek Jones Jr. on the bench to try this three-guard lineup. I don't know if this is going to be their their permanent plan. But it feels like, to me, the game against the Clippers is going to be that, okay, we're healthy. Guys have gotten back into the lineup. Um, the only the only one not playing, I think, is Derek Jones Jr. against the Clippers because he has a quad contusion. Beyond that, I think everybody should be available. It feels like that should be the game where the team goes into it and says, okay, we got 23 games left. Let's go 100% on defense every single game from now on. Let's expend our energy. Let's let's focus in these last 20 games of the season, and it starts now against the Clippers. I think they have to have that mindset because they've now been embarrassed multiple times, and it, it's been embarrassed by multiple teams that are better than them in the last month or so of the season. It's put up or shut up time. I think they have to beat the Clippers if we're going to have any sort of confidence that this team can do anything this year. They have to. I, they have to start now or else – it's going to be the same old, same old, just like it's been every every single year. I totally agree. You know, the Clippers at this point are, you know, that's that's going to be your benchmark because right after that, you got Utah. Clippers, Utah. So to, just to really gear yourself up for the, the, the running you're going to have to do against Utah and the defense you're going to have to play on that perimeter, man, this Clippers team is going to be a great, great test for you. They got Rondo now, so they feel like they have a point guard that they're going to be able to kind of use and distribute the ball and get everybody in the right places. Kawhi Leonard quietly is having a great season. Nobody talks about Kawhi like that, but if you look at his numbers, they're amazing. Paul George looks like Paul George again. For the first time in a while, he's not hurt. He's you know not not playing in that weird Doc Rivers offense. For the first, he's not doing pin downs and stuff like that. For the first time, Paul George is an All Star again, and he's kind of looking like himself. Man, this team is playing great basketball at this point. The Blazers are playing just okay basketball. Now, mind you, they won four in a row. You know, prior to this, but those four games were Miami, Orlando, Toronto, and Detroit. Mm -hmm. None of those teams are good, with the exception of Miami. And if Jimmy Buck Buckets is on the floor, then they've got they've always got a chance. But yes, the Blazers are going to have to show improve these next two games, and it's going to be a tough test for them. But this is how we're going to see where they are. If they drop these two games, I think we know that going into the playoffs, they don't have much of a shot. Gosh, looking at the schedule at the end of the year too, it's brutal. <laughs> Brutal. At the end of the year, you were going to end with the Lakers, the Spurs, who you lost to earlier in the season, and at this point are a playoff team. Yep. Get a break with the Rockets, but then you finish off with Jazz, Suns, Nuggets. Get out of here. Yep. And that, by the way, is on the tail end of a six-game road trip where you're playing Indiana, Memphis, Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta, Cleveland. Oh, let's not forget about Brooklyn. That can be a problem. Oh, I think KD is coming back. Oh, I said it with that with that force because yeah. that's a bad game. So that's a six game road trip 
you have one day off and then you get greeted with a back-to-back against the Lakers and the Spurs at home. Oh my God. It's a brutal schedule. And look, I, I still have some hope. I still think I see these glimmers with this team where they put it all together in a fourth quarter or they come out. I forget which game it was, but they, they held, I think it was the rap. It was the Raptors game. They held the Raptors to like 10 points in the third quarter. And you're like, what is, why can't this be a thing that you're doing most of the, I understand that it's hard to do that every quarter. You're in a high scoring league where offense runs the game. You can't just be a shutout defense every single time, but why aren't we seeing that more? Why can't they put that energy out there? You know, they keep talking about they miss their communication or they're not rotating fast enough. You've played three quarters of a GD year with your new defensive system. And apparently Terry Stotts is on every single game. He's harping on defense. He's harping on defense. And what is it doing? Nothing. So either they're not listening to him or he's not a good enough coach with defense or his assistants aren't good enough with defense or the players are just... I'm not going to say dumb, but just can't get the system. Or right? they're not guarding Michael uh, Malachi Flynn and Patrick McCall and all these other dudes that were trash from this Toronto team. This team from Toronto has gone from, man, playoff contender every single year, eventual champion, to bottom dweller within, like, two seasons. You know, see, last year they were in the playoffs at least, and now this year they're, you know, outside looking in. It's not a good team, and it's easy to play defense against a team that's, you don't expect much from, you know, and I think the Lakers, excuse me, the Blazers have to do a better job of being up and being ready for these games against these against these great teams, not just kind of laying down and feeling like you're letting them run all over you. Like there was no answer for Kawhi and I, for, for, um, for Giannis, and I get that because there's no answer for Giannis in the first place, but it did, they didn't even try. You know, like defensively, they didn't even seem like they were really even active at all. That's why we're able to look at the two guys that are defenders and say, man, they're good defenders. And everybody else is just, uh, you know, they're not even just, they're not even present most of the time. So defensively, they have to, they have to wake up and figure that out. And I don't know how you do that at this point. I mean, well, I it's, it's look, defense is energy and effort. It's yes. not something you teach. I was just and about if to you say don't that. have that energy and effort. There's not much you can say. Well, you, you teach a system, right? And you teach rotations and you teach communication. And that's, that's part of it for sure. But you're this far into the season and the defense is still one of the worst historically one of the worst defenses of all time think about that like you literally like second worst i'm pretty sure at this point yes the worst defense of all time is this year the kings their defense is an atrocity uh, and it's actually not that close but the blazers have by the way this season and i, I heard this this week on on primetime the blazers have a top 5 historic offense from this season ever in the NBA. Actually, every top five is is from this season in the NBA. And they have a historic worst bottom five defense. Second worst ever is their defense this year. You have good defenders on this team, Covington and Jones. And I know Nurk's been hurt, but you have Nurkic. You have pretty good defenders on this team. You also have a couple of Sibs and Carmelo Anthony who can't defend anything. And Ennis Cantor's trying his hardest, but he's not great. And frankly, Damian Lillard's not a very good defender either, even though he tries. You know, you've got some sieves there. You got to be able to, 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 at this point in the season, it's a pride thing. And that's why I say I want to see it against the Clippers tomorrow. Because if they can prove it to themselves against the Clippers, and they're going to keep trying to do it against the other teams too. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Jazz. The Jazz are really hard to beat, and the Blazers got floored by them the first time they played them. But beat the Clippers. Get that confidence. 
and start playing like that the rest of the season. That's why I think it's so vital. All right, we got to get to hate it or love it. That is next. First, Joe Sports. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. That music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Joe will ask us questions. He will award us points, and the winner hosts the last segment. What do you got for us today, Joe Fish 3? I uh, got a little bit of basketball, college, Blazers, and one NFL question. Okay, let's go. First one, we are going to start off with, of course, uh, the buzzer beater last night that we witnessed. And also a Michael Lynch rendition of One Shining Moment. One Shining Moment. <laughs> uh, so Jalen Suggs, that was awesome. Buzzer beater, half court basically, to win the game, to beat UCLA and advance to the national championship where the Gonzaga Bulldogs can finish off the perfect season and finally get that first national championship that, championship that they so covet. So, hate or love it. After that, Jalen Suggs, game winner, Gonzaga has to win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this two segments ago now. Yeah, I, I think they have to win. It's an important moment for Mark Few's legacy as a head coach to win this national title game. It's not going to make him a bad coach. If he loses it, it's not going to you know knock him down a peg, but it's going to elevate him to a level that he is not at yet if he wins that national championship game. You know, it's it's really, really hard to have an undefeated season in any sport, especially in college basketball, when you've had, what were they, 31-0, and then they've played WCC games, the tournament. I don't think that counts towards your standings, and they played the tournament games. So what are they now, like 36-0, 37-0? No, they're 31. literally 31-0. Oh, that's, they keep counting that? Yeah. It's I all, never knew that. The tournament games, everything counts towards your... I had no idea. Turner, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm an idiot. They're 31 and 0. It's really, really hard to get to that point in in any sport, especially college basketball. And at this point, with you know how well you've played this tournament, you escaped the upset bid last game with an incredible shot. Baylor's also a great team. Let's take nothing away from them. They are a fantastic basketball team, and this will be a much closer game than I think uh, Gonzaga fans are going to want it to be. But they got to win. They got to win. So my final final answer uh yeah i i i love it you know they they absolutely uh have to win we talked about this earlier obviously um he is right there with some of the greatest coaches of all time as far as win percentages i'm talking not just coaches that were really good you're talking john wooden probably the greatest coach of all time jerry tarkanian the unlv legend you know dean smith who's freaking dean smith you know these are the, these are the guys that are after him as far as his win percentage he just needs that piece of hardware to make him elite. You know, that's the one thing. Bill Self, you know, has a couple hard, uh, couple national championships, but a lot of people don't think he's the, the greatest coach in the world. But, hey, he's won two of them, so the there, he's solidified. Gonzaga consistently is in the Final Four. Like, almost every single year, we can expect to save one of those spots for Gonzaga. But for whatever reason, they can't get over the hump. We've seen a lot of local talent head that way up to up there to Spokane. We've seen Spokane have some of the best teams, including uh, a guy named Adam Morrison that had one of the best drops that we've heard all day as far as his yelling for his team, you know, winning that game. But for whatever reason, 
reason they've never been able to get there. Mark Few has been there for all that. He needs this championship to solidify himself as one of the all-time greats in college basketball. He's already got the numbers to prove it. He just needs the championship to really make it uh, official. All right, moving on to the Blazers. And, uh, Mike, you mentioned in the segment before that I feel like it's a must-win game for the Blazers and their confidence and being able to defeat one of these top-tier teams in the league. Hate it or love it. The Blazers don't have to beat the Clippers, but I have to at least make it competitive. Rashad. Oh. Um, Were you even listening? Uh, kind of. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. My phone is, is bugging out of control. I don't know. It won't stop vibrating. But one more time, Joe. I'm sorry. You, you're about to lose a point here, bud. Eh, what, what else is new? You're trying to, what else is new, Joe? I don't throw out lost points very Hey, last often. time I did this, you won, but it's all good. We'll, uh, go ahead and give me the question don't, one more time. Don't blackmail me. I'm here. just saying. Not blackmail. Just don't saying. Just saying. The Blazers don't have to beat the Clippers, but have to at least make it competitive. Hey, no. They absolutely need to beat the Clippers. The Blazers are in uh, purgatory right now. They're right in that middle spot of the Western Conference. It doesn't mean they're bad enough to get a good draft pick, but they're not good enough to compete for the top. Beating the Clippers and then uh, beating the Jazz at that point, man, will put the put the Blazers in a spot to where people say that, man, okay, the Blazers could be a threat moving forward. That's the big issue. Like, you know you can beat the the excuse me, the, the Grizzlies and all those other kind of lower-seeded, bottom-dwelling bottom, bottom dwelling teams in the NBA, but can you go up against the elite? You had a really disappointing night the other night up against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to be the best uh, example of a really good playoff team that you're going to face, and you got blown out. Last time you faced the Clippers, it didn't go well. The last time you faced the Suns, it didn't go well. Last time you faced Utah, they blew you out. These next couple games are really important for you, and really for showing the rest of the world that the Blazers are more than Damian Lillard, that they are a complete team, and they can compete and possibly make a deep playoff run. But if they don't do that to, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday against those two really, really good Western Conference teams, you can expect for the rest of the season to kind of go just like that. I hate it as well because of one thing. The first thing that came to my mind when you asked the question was moral victory. That would be mm. a moral victory Very if good. the Blazers played a competitive game with the Clippers but lost. Uh, it's similar to the game against the Nuggets from a couple weeks ago where you fell 111-106. It was a great game. Blazers played very well. Nuggets played very well, but you lost the game, right? right? You're like, well, look, the Blazers played well against the Nuggets, but they didn't win. That was, that was what, a week or two ago now? It's amazing how much changes in two weeks in terms of viewing the team. You, keep, you, you I've had enough moral victories for the Blazers. I think Blazer fans have had enough moral victories for Very the Blazers. You, you need to start seeing some results that get you confident about getting wins in the playoffs. A close but competitive loss of the Clippers and a close but competitive loss of the Jazz is all, all it is is two losses. It's two more losses to teams that are above you in the division, sorry, in the conference, that uh, you cannot beat. You can't get over the hump. And then, okay, sure, maybe you'll go ahead and beat the Pistons when you play them, right? Oh, look, the Blazers won out there. They're, they played two good games against good teams, and they beat the Pistons, and they're still a good team. They need to start making a difference against those good teams. No more moral victories. Hate. Hate, hate, hate. Hate, hate, hate. hate, hate. Okay, uh, one more Blazers question, and this is more of a um, look out into the rest of the uh, season, hate it or love it. Okay. Because as we mentioned, their schedule um, next few games is tough. The season finishes tough. And so I went and looked at uh, the remaining 23 games. 16 
of them are against playoff teams, whether they are East or West Ugh, opponents. Put up or shut up time. Of 23, 16 16 of Ugh. 23. 17 of them against teams with winning records. Um, and 10 of the 23, so just under half, are against teams in currently in the top eight of the Western Conference standings. Mind you that you also have three games against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a 500 team that are fighting for that play-in game against whether it be the Spurs or Mavericks right now. You play the Grizzlies three times in five days. Yeah. yeah. Which is strange. Two, the, two of them were postponed, though, earlier in the year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are from, yeah, some reschedules there. So you've got a lot of tough games coming up here in uh, the last part of the schedule here. So, hate or love it. Blazers, they're going to finish below 500 the rest of the way of these 23 games. Oh, my God. Um, that's a really tough question, Joe, because of the Damian Lillard effect, right? Uh, we had a texter say the Blazers could miss the playoffs, which is, yes, they could miss the playoffs technically, but I don't believe that for a second based purely on uh, Damian Lillard being on this team and carrying this team forever and always. So... Because of that, it makes it a tough question to say, are they going to finish below 500? I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, I don't think they're going to finish below 500. Like I said last segment, I still have some hope for this team. They've shown those flashes. And sometimes, I don't think this has been the case with the Blazers, but sometimes teams do coast a little bit in the middle of the season. You get into the dog days of the season. You want to get to the end. You get to the last 20 and you turn it on. I'm hoping that we see... At this point, the Blazers flip that switch and go, no more BS, no more embarrassing losses. We're a better team than this. And Damian Lillard's going to play out of his mind. And CJ's going to play well. And they're going to figure out the right rotations with Powell and Covington and Jones. And they're going to defend better as a team. For whatever reason, I still feel like that's a possibility. Maybe that's naive on my part. So because of that, I'll say hate. I think they will finish above 500 on this stretch because I think you're going to see them play some of these good teams much better than we have seen them so far. It'll be close. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to just win all these games towards the end of the season, but I can see them going like 15 and 8 down the last 23. So hate. They'll finish above 500. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hate it as well. Like as I'm sitting here counting the rest of the – the rest of the games on the schedule and kind of which ones could be losses. Uh, I'm, lo I'm looking at a couple possible losses to Utah and to the Clippers, a, a loss to possibly Phoenix, you know, in between there, Brooklyn. But I don't see a enough teams that would say the Blazers couldn't beat half of those teams. I think when you look at teams like Detroit, Miami, Boston, who's really struggling right now, got booed the other night uh, in their own arena, which was crazy, or, you know, by their own fans. You know, if you think it's crazy there. how much uh, Terry Stotts gets hate, I mean, he should deserve it to be getting hate this year, but generally over the last few years, Brad Stevens is being talked about by Celtics fans of being fired. Yeah. Brad right. Stevens. Yeah, Brad Stevens, which last year we lauded him as one of the best coaches in basketball. If now the Blazers fire fired. Terry Stotts and they fire Brad Stevens, Blazers go get Brad Stevens. Do not go get Brad Stevens. But uh, there's a uh, loss to... Hey, why? Hey, man. I, 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 that I, dude's a good coach. I think he's an okay coach. I think he's, you know, got blessed with having really, really good talent and Danny Ainge around him putting that talent there. That's just what I think in the Eastern Conference. But I'm just looking at the, this this list of teams that they're playing. You got Memphis a couple times. You got, you know, the bottom-feeding uh, Cavaliers in there. You got Atlanta, who's playing better basketball, at least in the playoff race this year, but their record still isn't awesome. So I think the Blazers can at least win 13 of these uh, 23 games they have left, which means they go a little bit over 500. So 13 and 10 over those last 10, uh, last 23 games, 
that's when I'm going to say Blazers make the playoffs, but it's going to be a fifth, sixth seed. That's going to be it. They're not going to move seeding that much. They're going to be right around there. All right, and moving on to our last question, football-related. We had a little bit of a draft order shakeup this last week. Dolphins trading some picks. Niners up to number three. Eagles moving around. Niners up to three, and that's where I go with this question, one Mike Lynch. Uh, we have the 49ers now at the number three overall pick. A lot of people believe that it will be Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson is being rumored to go number two to the Jets, which leaves the 49ers with the number three pick and a possible Jimmy G replacement. But could that Jimmy G replacement be Mac Jones? Hate it or love it. The 49ers drafting Mac Jones with the third overall pick would be a drastic mistake. Uh, Love it. It would be a drastic mistake because you have Justin Fields right there available for you. And... I think Justin Fields is a better pro prospect. It's tough for me. Now, I know we saw it with Jordan Burrow last year, but it's tough for me. Joe. Joe Burrow, sorry. Uh, it's tough for me to to look at a quarterback who played for one season at an elite team with all of the receivers that they had there in, in uh, Devontae Smith and Waddle and all the talent they had there. It's tough for me to say that guy is deserving to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. He's not a stiff, but he seems to me like that for whatever reason, that's kind of the vibe I get. Obviously he played very well, but it's one thing I remember Dave Bartu says this a lot. Quarterbacks from talent rich teams have a much harder time succeeding in the NFL because they never had to do it themselves. The quarterbacks that do the best are the quarterbacks that take mediocre teams or average teams to high heights, which for an example would be like Zach Wilson. He made BYU a very good team this year when BYU didn't really have that much talent around Zach Wilson. Mac Jones is a guy that makes me very, very nervous. And if they're going to take a quarterback at number three, I don't think it should be Mac Jones. Mac Jones, by the way, I remember before the draft started, was like predicted to be the 20th pick in the draft, 25th pick in the draft, and now he's up to three? What? Just from a pro day and what rumors and smoke blowing. I, I, I've heard that Kyle Shanahan does like Mac Jones, and I've heard that as well. I've also already likes Justin Fields. So if it's going to be between those two and it's Kyle Shanahan, I think it's got to be Justin Fields that gets the, gets the pick. I think it would be a big mistake to take Mac Jones. Uh, shoot, man. I, I, I hate it as well. Like Mac Jones, uh, I, up until two weeks ago, I thought he might have had a chance to go to the Patriots at the 15th pick. Like he's never, he hasn't been a guy that we've talked about over these past couple weeks as far as being uh, a top five, uh, top 15 or top 12, you know, type of quarterback. But things have happened. He had a really good pro day. Um, and I, you, what, one thing we know is uh, also overthrew a receiver yeah. wide open. But that is pro day. One thing we know nobody is covering him. Kyle, no Kyle Shanahan. You know, everybody says Mac Jones kind of reminds a lot of people of uh, Matt Ryan, you know, and they also say he kind of reminds people of Jimmy G, just their, their throwing motion. He has a pretty good throwing motion, and that's kind of the thing that uh, he tends to kind of look for. So it wouldn't shock me if Mac Jones, you know, went third. However, 
that would be stupid because Zach Wilson is just a, be- just a better player. You know, it's easy to be great when you surround yourself with the best offensive linemen in, from Alabama, the best receivers from Alabama, the best coach possibly of all time in Nick Saban, man, a great defense on the other end. It's easy to look like a world beater when that's the, when that's really the, the role you play forever. It's just what that one of a, of a game manager than anything else. So I think it'd be a mistake for them to take Mac Jones, but it is the 49ers. They've been making a lot of mistakes uh, as of late. But the, the pick for them right there is probably Zach Wilson. And if they did take Mac Jones, I think that'd be the biggest surprise of the draft. All right. Rashad, you might have heard you get some points throughout that. But because you blackmailed me, they were all fake points. You actually scored zero this whole round. Wow. So wow. Just absolutely devastating victory <laughs> for Mike Lynch. Uh, let's see how well you do next time I'm doing hater to love. Joe no, just. It, it was a close finish, but. Uh, no holds barred. Mike Lynch does get the win. Blackmail so. black comes back to bite you, okay. Rashad. Okay. I got you. You can't play dirty, man. Okay. I got you, Joe. He's got the, he's got the button presses. I got you, Joe. He's got the control here. Okay, we Jim. don't have control. No, no, no. It's all good. Thumbs up, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going. He's going passive aggressive Pacific Northwest on you. Oh yeah. This will not. This will all not day. fare well for you, Rashad. All day. <laughs> I want to talk to a manager. All of a sudden, he went very passive on you, which is a scary, scary thing to think about. All right, let's wrap this show up next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I was reminded of this song yesterday, last night. I was uh, I was showing my girlfriend a couple of the classic videos from the internet that I grew up watching that I think are are must watches for anybody that hasn't seen them, and. I was reminded of this song because remember this was from seven years ago and I picked this song as the winner song for Hate It or Love It. And that's still crazy to say seven years ago. It's nuts. It was from a, I think it was a Flash game, which by the way, Flash is gone now. There's no no longer Flash on computers. Um, or there's not, it's not supported anymore at least. It was a Flash game where you were like a unicorn and you jumped around and you tried to like stay alive. And that was the song. And it was so catchy. And I was like, it has to be that song. Um, I was reminded of that yesterday because I watched like Salad Fingers. She had never seen Salad Fingers. Do you know what that is? I do not know what Salad Fingers is. Salad Fingers is a infamous, creepy, unsettling animated YouTube thing. Joey just chimed in and said that he even knows what Salad Fingers is somehow. Well, I don't know why. I don't know. That definitely didn't happen in my house. <laughs> Salad Fingers is very creepy. Uh, Charlie the Unicorn, if you remember that one. Um, we also uh, yes. watched the old narwhal song. Narwhals, narwhals living in the ocean, causing this is a like commotion. Two thousands internet stuff. It's like Newgrounds, yeah, early. or E Bombs World. <laughs> oh, nope, sorry, doesn't ring a bell. Well, I guess you are you are like five years older than me, so yeah. it might be slightly different generations for that. But I felt like because that was like that was the beginning of viral internet videos. Chocolate that I thought rave. maybe you would get it. No, I don't. Really. Well, that is one of them. Yes. Yeah. I that, was thinking more because that was uh, that's YouTube, that's YouTube era. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the start yeah. of YouTube and everything. I'm talking like E-Bombs World and Newgrounds and those sites that were just like that was those were the places you went to get those funny things. Ugh. If you haven't watched, the, if you know what those are and you haven't watched it in a while, you will smile ear to ear if you put one of those on. So do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. You ever do seen uh, Precious the no. dog? 
No. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and go ahead and look that one up. Precious the cartoon dog. Okay. One. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find any of the show that you missed, you can find it on the Odyssey app and tending to the fan.com on the Les Schwab Tires podcast. We'll be back next week, 9 to 11. We'll have a national champion, college basketball. Go Zags. No reason not to root for the Zags at this point. Northwest teams. Let's go Northwest. Go Spokane. Let's do it. And uh, we'll know a little bit more about the Blazers because they'll play the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Pistons in those three games this week. So hopefully we'll be a little bit more positive next week about the Blazers. If not, fingers crossed, the sky will be falling. And we'll, uh, we're getting closer to the NFL draft and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have plenty of stuff to get to throughout the summer. This has been Sports Sunday. Have a very good rest of your Sunday. Happy Easter.